0: I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Send me, Lord, I am yours.
1: Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with members of the Center for Bioethical Reform about using graphic images to change minds about abortion. This is an important topic, so stay tuned.
0: I felt your passion, touched your heart.
1: Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys who listen. And uh, we have some special guests here today that are from the Center for Bioethical Reform. I said that right? That yep. is correct, yes. Uh, maybe even better known as CBR. And uh, Miss Joanna Kilson. Yes. Yep. And Lincoln, I don't know your last name. Lincoln. Brandenburg. Yes, Brandenburg. Sir. Okay. So these guys are going to share with us a little bit of what they do as an organization kind of what their focus and their mission is, and then hopefully some stories of what God has done and how some hearts and minds have been changed. So real quick, uh, Joanna, introduce yourself, what your role is with uh, CBR and what that involves.
2: Sure. So I am the director of recruitment and intern program director. So I'm involved in various roles, but uh, a lot of what I do is uh, recruiting and training uh, staff, um, volunteers, new staff. And there's we all wear a lot of hats. So okay. uh, there's a lot that needs to be done. Uh, so I understand <laughs>
1: that dynamic that's, of wearing a bunch of hats. That's
2: the most concise way to say a little bit of what I do.
1: So. Okay, cool.
3: And Lincoln? What, I uh, am on paper, my role is the development of staff, uh, or excuse me, the director of staff development. Okay. And like Joanna says, we all wear a lot of different hats and a lot of my role also includes just doing activism outings and planning the things we'll do out on the streets, which I'm sure we'll talk about here at some yeah. point. And, um, yeah, it's, I've been here for about eight years doing this, and um, we've, we've traveled. We're a national organization with international affiliates, and then Joanne and I, respectively, have both been to probably about, what, 10 to 12 different states, and then you've been out of the country some, um, working with other pro-life organizations and working with people to advance the mission
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad you bring that up. Advance the mission. What is the mission, then, of the Center for Bioethical Reform? It sounds really like scientific-y and, and medical and stuff like that. I'm sure there's some of that. But what's, what's the mission? Well, we are very passionate that um, abortion
3: represents an evil that is so profound that you cannot fully understand it unless you see it. Okay. And so a lot of what we're known for around pro-life circles and wherever is that we're the people that bring out the pictures. And we've actually compiled a pretty much the largest in the world, um, an archive of professionally taken abortion victim images. Yeah. And most of, if you even Google for abortion victim images, it's probably our photos that are going to show up because they're, they're very high resolution. We usually have them in a picture with, um, some kind of size reference like a coin or a, familiar objects so that Mm -hmm. people, when these pictures are made large, people can see what it is and see how, even in the early trimester, how well developed the baby is. But we've really based this on there's there's biblical reasons for the use of the pictures, there's historical reasons that I think are very compelling, and it's something that we see um, both in society at large and also in the Christian community that it's one thing to have a theoretical position on the subject but seeing it for what it really is is what really grips people both in their conscience and in their intellect to see that yeah. hey, this is a real human life this is a real baby and abortion
1: is an act of violence yeah absolutely i know um we have in our brochures that we hand out at the abortion center on one of the inside pages actually one of you guys pictures of a victim of abortion at 11 weeks we feel like it's very effective to show it to an abortion-minded woman going into an abortion clinic. We do it in a measured way. You know, yeah. ask her, "Can is it all right if I show you what abortion looks like? And we've seen God use that image uh, in some some pretty powerful ways. So you guys are doing that in more of a big-picture way, right? So, Joanna, share real quick. So, so basically what I'm hearing from Lincoln— is, if I was just to make it in a nutshell, you're trying to make the reality of abortion evident and the violence of abortion evident in a visual way. And where do you do that at primarily? Or where do you do that? I mean, maybe there's a mix. Maybe there's not just one place where you guys go, but where does that take place at?
2: So we do a lot of work on college campuses. That is the age range where uh, the majority of people are getting uh, abortions. Yeah. And they're 20s. so college and after and it is the the thinking grounds of our of our nation and so we do a lot of work there but really wherever there are people and wherever we are invited which is usually the streets because we're not often (laughs) um, wanted and that's why there's a need to do what we do so the streets of any city country wherever there are people we pass out literature but really mainly showing them the humanity of the preborn and the inhumanity of abortion
1: so let me just kind of correct me if I'm wrong, kind of set a visual through audio for people. You guys go to a college campus and you set up victim images. And if people don't know exactly what we're talking about, we're talking about victim images. We're talking about pictures of aborted babies, right? Yes. These are victims of abortion. And you set up these images. And again, they're not just like these kind of rough hand-drawn images. They're actually real images that have been taken. And you kind of, just have a display there in the college campus and folks come by college students professors come by and your goal is just to come and just make them angry is that right
3: <laughs> well that's um there's a little nuance to that Um it does often make people angry uh-huh. and we do actually i'm of the mindset that when people get angry that is actually a good sign because it means that the position that they previously held and perhaps are still trying to defend they're realizing that they're defending the indefensible. And nobody, like myself included, nobody likes to have a a, a position that we hold very close challenged, and we especially don't like to think that, hey, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm, you know, and you're holding up something as being about human rights and about women's rights, and there's all these euphemisms surrounding the way the public at large thinks about abortion. And when we show the pictures for what they are, we're dismantling that euphemism. And yeah. so one thing our founder, Greg Cunningham, is quoted often as saying is that when we show the victims of abortion, we are not protesting abortion because abortion protests itself yeah. when you show it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good, good
0: quote there.
2: And we go—really, our goal is to reach— that middle 50%. So if you think about it, there's maybe 25% on one side who are strongly pro-life and then 25% who are strongly pro choice or pro abortion. There's that middle 50% who are kind of, you know, maybe they call themselves pro choice sometimes even pro life but they're really just kind of unsure and yeah. they're very swayable but those people do not come to us we have to go to them they are not looking for the information they're not listening to this podcast they're not at the abortion clinic you know i mean they might be at some point but yeah. they're really just going about their daily life and so we have to go to them um, and a lot of them are more open and they're they're not the vocal minority on either side they're they're more silent (laughs) it's a silent majority and so those are really the people that we are trying to reach that are more swayable yeah um, and that are more open yeah
3: Yeah. and along those lines with that specific group being our audience we we tend to not very often i mean obviously there are exceptions but typically we're not going out in front of abortion clinics per se and and obviously you know we very much support and partner with and believe in ministries you know like your own cities for life that do that because the need is so great and and you guys, you know, I commend you that, you know, you're seeing literal babies saved because you're out there right where the, the action happens, right where the killing is going to happen if someone doesn't step in to intervene. But a lot of that mindset we have with reaching that that middle demographic of the people who are just kind of on the fence or who, you know, hold positions in their mind that are contradictory, but maybe just don't realize it on, apathetic. Or, or they're just apathetic about it. Yeah. the. With reaching them, it's the mindset that we're trying to not only save individual babies from abortion, but also trying to change public opinion and yeah. trying to shift the way the culture views abortion and, and really dismantle that euphemism of choice, which is the word people associate with abortion, so that next time they you know hear CNN or whoever talking about women's reproductive health care or the freedom of choice, they now have a picture emblazed in their mind that they will not forget of what that choice actually means and that there's an actual real victim, a real person who had to suffer as the casualty of that choice. And we
2: don't have the media or anyone um, in positions of power on our side, so we have to be that media. We have to go out. Where else are they going to see this information? Nowhere. So we have to broadcast it.
1: So in one sense, you're forcing a necessary conversation. You're you're forcing people, and when I say force, a lot of people don't like that, but the reality is that, that media, even what we're dealing with now with, I think, while we were talking before the podcast, we mentioned with the Ger- George Floyd thing. It's like people are forced to confront an evil by that image. I remember yes. I watched the video of the, the police officer with his knee on this guy's neck, and I just about started weeping right in front of my kids. I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I see it. I'm like, my daughter asked me, what's going on? I was just forced to be confronted with a, a, a reality. And so you guys, in one sense, are forcing in the marketplace of ideas. That's what the college campuses used to be. Now yes. it's more of a marketplace of Marxism. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> um, you're forcing them to think about things that they have already decided about, but really they're not decided about. And, that that right? that, and that's important, and, and I'll, I'll just <laughs> openly admit that
3: I I am fine with the mindset and I know some Christians kind of feel squeamish about this but the fact is that we are forcing that debate and we are bringing this out to the public square to an audience kind of without their consent yeah and if you and a lot of that is just that mindset that you know you look at the biblical prophets you look at modern social reform movements like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and some of his um, his writings and his tactics and you just see where as long as we have this mindset that we're going to And obviously, I recognize in the context of an abortion clinic and an abortion-minded woman, this is a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. But, But in terms of the general public, we can't wait for them to come to us or consent to come and hear our message and to see these images because nobody wants to see this. Yeah. And the whole point is that we are so pathetically, sadly, apathetic and comfortable with being sheltered from the hard realities like this that exist even in our own country And so we are intentionally going out to places that are busy and that a lot of eyeballs will see our message. And and granted, we're not going to pressure people to look. We're not going to chase them down to hand them a brochure. But we do want to create a situation where the default is that they will see this image and they have to choose to look away rather than having this image hidden and they have to choose to look. Yeah. And so then you get, you know, um, William Wilberforce, the British abolitionist who's well known for bringing uh, into slavery in the British Empire. He's quoted as having said that you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, you know, as we were talking about before we started the podcast, it's it's a reality that you see in the Bible, and it's a reality that, that we know that human beings are visual creatures. God knows that right he 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 knows that and he plays on that and we yeah. see that biblical imagery as we're reading the scriptures there are pictures the prophets use pictures and maybe talk mm-hmm. a little bit more more about that but we are visual creatures and when you put an image in someone's pathway i mean if you think about it and, and if people are going to accuse you know pro-lifers or accuse you guys of being just blatantly like provocative or whatever PETA, the other day, I was actually at Chick-fil-A. Love Chick-fil-A. Oh, yes. (laughs) Good stuff. Some Christian chicken. That's right. And I was there in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, and I looked up, and there was a billboard in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, by the way, that was a person's face, half of the person's face, and the other half was a chicken's face. And it was something like, it wasn't like chickens or people too, but it was something like that. (laughs) And they were forcing people in the Chick-fil-A parking lot to deal with the reality that they're part of killing chickens. Now, you and I... (laughs) That's ridiculous. Chickens are yummy, right? <laughs> I don't agree with them, but
3: I do admire their moxie. That yeah. That's their messaging. They're where yeah. they need to be. So, yeah.
1: And yeah. so in, in a, a more important way, you guys are doing that in a college campus context. Um, So you have what's called, if I'm not uh, mistaken about this, the GAP Project.
0: Genocide, Describe that. Genocide Awareness Project. Okay. Yes.
1: So GAP stands for Genocide Awareness Project. What meaneth that? What do you mean by genocide awareness project?
3: Well, there's a sense in which we're we're trying to really provoke the public to think about abortion, not in terms of just the individual death of one life, but also thinking in terms of that this is a massive genocide. This yeah. is something and I think there's a good case for that because you look at the comparison between abortion and any other Group of humans throughout history that have been deprived and stripped of their human rights, and you see certain similarities where, you know, we use dehumanizing language Mm -hmm. to describe the victims, and so the Jews during the Nazi Germany reign, they were referred to as subhuman or Yeah, You had the words that people used to describe black people in the United States that were meant to be subhuman and meant to be derogatory, And, you know, nowadays we refer to the baby as it's a clump of cells, it's a product of conception, it's a parasite, it's not a person in the full sense of the law. Um, And and with just looking at the different definitions of genocide and the mindset behind genocide, it's always about a group of people who are in the protected class drawing a circle around themselves and saying, okay, if you're in this circle, you are human. This is what it means to be a person with rights and respected under the law. And it's the people outside of that who either have something we want, or they get in our way, or there's some reason why we want we benefit from them not having the same yeah. rights as us, and so we exclude them. And here with abortion, we would say that the group being targeted is specifically unwanted and unborn children. Yeah. Because you can't kill... A baby in the womb whose mother wants him because you know in most states you will be charged with a double homicide if you kill a pregnant woman yeah and then of course if the baby is unwanted but they're born well at that point the law protects them and we call that infanticide or you know child abuse but it's a specific identifiable people group and it's it's really designed to to prick the conscience in a way beyond even just the images themselves because with this specific display we parallel the images with images from the Holocaust or from the Rwandan genocide or from the massacre at Wounded Knee, just all these different historical references, and it's designed so that people see, okay, you know, this is something that I look back a long time ago, and we know that was wrong, this Wounded Knee Massacre, where all the Native Americans were rounded up and and shot by the US cavalry. And we all recognize that as wrong, but see, there's this mechanism that we have where we like to think that, oh, those people a long time ago, or those people far away, those people were backwards and wicked and did something just inhumane, but I'm not like that. Yeah. We're very civilized, we're very progressive, we're very pro-equality of human rights.
1: Yeah, we would never, had we been there, we would never we, oh, have done yes. we injustices. would Oh, yes, we would have, like, Jesus... We would have stood against it. That's yeah. right,
3: Jesus g- condemns people who said that same thing. Yeah, it's just that we think we would have done better, and yet statistically most of us probably would not have, yeah. and so it's more convicting even than just the images by themselves. And that, and so that's, especially for a secular society, that's the thrust of our message is that abortion is not only murder, but that abortion
1: is genocide on a large-scale level. Yeah. You know, Scripture says there's nothing new under the sun. Humanity since the beginning, since there were people groups, has had one people group against the other, oppressing, taking advantage of killing off i mean it's like it's the human propensity to uh, to take advantage of people when we're able to and it's and it's evil and it, it like you said it's got to be confronted and I, I appreciate the yeah. that you guys are doing that what is the reception within the college campus what what are um, I don't know, maybe share some stories, if you can, of some positive reception, negative reception. And like you said, Lincoln, even before we started this thing, it's all positive as far as you're concerned, because if they're angry, at least they're hearing what you're saying. But Joanna, share a little bit about the reception in the college campus, even in the public square, street corner, that sort of thing.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that the message hits every individual at a different place because every individual is at a different place but it meets them where they are and that's what we try to do you know conversationally as well but everyone's going to respond differently because they're in a different place so some people are really angry and some people are yeah upset cuss us out you know all kinds of things yeah um so we do get a lot of that but we also get a lot of positive reception a lot of people thank you so much for what you're doing you know this is so needed and we get a lot of positives and then we get a lot of questions and a lot of people who are just kind of Going about their life, and either they'll approach us and ask us questions they've never heard the answer to. You know, they've heard one side, they've heard what they've been told by mainstream society, and they've never heard the the answer, the opposite side. Yeah. And so they never had that chance. So then you know, thank you, thank you for your answers, or oh, you know, I really had a good yeah. conversation. And and then you know, we go to other, you know, we approach people as you know, we ask them, you know, what do you think? And you yeah. oh, know, I don't know, it's not something I really thought about much, or oh, I think it's fine because you know. You know, if a woman's raped or if she's really poor, and then we get to have that discussion with them. And then, yeah. well, what do you think? And then, you know, we go through our apologetics to just really confront, you know, is this really logical? And is this really, and, you know, get them thinking. We really want them to think. Yeah. Um, because a lot so, of times they so have to So you're not,
1: like I said, uh, kind of ingest, absolutely ingest. You're not there just to make people angry, but you're there to invoke conversations and thoughts mm-hmm. and. Maybe the perception is, which is why you get some of the angry people coming over and they're going to set you straight, is that you're just there to make them angry. You're just there to, to mm-hmm. offend them. And when they come and approach you and they find that you're not like what they thought you were, this ravenous, uh, anti-choice activist or whatever, you're actually a loving person that wants to answer their questions. What's the reception on that And Have you ever had a, yeah. a situation where they're coming to set you straight and then, you know, 30 minutes later, they're like, thank you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. All the time. That all
1: happens. the time. And there's a sense, too, in which like where I would say,
3: you know, a little caveat, like in some ways, maybe we are trying to make people angry in a sense. And, and what I would explain that as is that we know we're going to get a reaction and we know that some people, a lot of people are not going to agree with us. And almost everywhere we go, we get protesters who set up and they'll have their signs that are you know, usually handmade or they'll be out there trying to cover us up or, you know, trying to engage on their side of the issue. And people, the, the target audience that we're trying to reach that Joanna described, those people in the middle, they come by and they see the contrast. Yeah. They see the horrible pictures. They see us responding to people gently, having civilized conversations, being challenging perhaps, but at least not being derogatory or mean-spirited. And then they go to the other side. They see them, you know, at, in some cases, they've seen them vandalize our signs. And so, you know, one person I was talking to, he's pro a pro-choice young man at a college in, um, I want to say Florida and someone came and just threw some paint on our signs and ran off and that really touched him. He was like, Oh my goodness, like your position must be pretty poor. If you feel like you have to do that to get it across rather than engage people. Yeah, We had a, there was another school in Florida where this guy on a motorcycle, you know, with his jacket, he comes by and he was just very, He was not going to commit to either side. He had his notepad and his pen, and he came to us. He asked us hard questions, and he was sitting there writing our answers, and he was just very engaged. And then he went to the other side. He said, okay, I want to go hear what they have to say. And he walks across to the protesters, spends a few minutes with them doing the same thing. He comes back to us, and he's frustrated at that point. He says, you know what? You guys actually have articulate reasons and logical explanations for why you believe what you believe and all the other side has is catchphrases and slogans and just things that they've repeated and parroted that don't actually have any substance to them. Yeah. And so it's it's really creating a situation where people see the other side trying to defend the indefensible and they see the slogans and they see just the, the vileness of that yeah. and hopefully see the contrast. And it causes them, it forces them, I think, to wanna examine, hey, like not only the facts of the issue, which we certainly want them to, but then also you know remembering the pictures and they're remembering the fact that they were treated with respect and what did they see on the other side mm-hmm. yeah
2: and we're sowing seeds you know a lot of times it's not oh wow i can't believe i was so stupid i didn't know yeah. you know they don't it's not an immediate conversion but sometimes it is but um a lot of times more often you know when any anytime where any of us are confronted with someone says something that's different from what we already think you know we kind of argue back a bit and oh, yeah, you know yeah. oh well, i think it because of this what about this you know and then you go home and think about it and that's what they do you go home and think about it and sometimes you know years later, but, you know, come back and tell us, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I was angry and changed my mind. So
1: you've got a, uh, let's say you've got a, you got the Gap Project set up and you're displaying these contrasts or actually these comparisons uh, between abortion and other genocides that have taken place in human history and a pro-abortion person comes up and they have their sign that they just handcrafted from a pizza box and they wanted to set you straight and they're blocking your signs. And they're trying to get people not to look at what you've got to say how do you deal with that person so there is a verse in i think it's proverbs twenty-five,
3: twenty-six. 26 that's i think very needed in the church today very needed among christian circles and people who do what we do and you're probably already familiar with it but it says that like a muddied spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked and so you know, there's a sense we're willing to go out there and there is a context for turning the other cheek. Yeah. But when we're out here standing not for ourselves, but for the victims and we're out there showing pictures to tell their story and to stand for their well-being on their behalf, we will we will not tolerate people coming out there and trying to cer- to block that or to censor that because they have a legal right to free speech. And so we don't we don't tear their signs out of their hands. We don't try to block them. We don't try to mess with their ability to get their message across. And we expect to be treated the same way. And so if people come and they try to block things or vandalize or do something like that that's illegal, you know, we will call the police or yeah. we will, you know, ask them to move. And we will, you know, even take legal measures because that does come to the point where, okay, we're not going to be, you know, being... Being a Christian doesn't mean that we have to be pushovers. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're standing for something that is righteous like this, we won't be pushovers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we've had situations just from personal experience at the abortion centers. We've had pro-abortion people. We had, at one point, a pro-abortion lady tried to go on to the mobile ultrasound unit and get a, a mom off of there because we had had her on there too long, and she wanted to go inside and get her off. <laughs> oh, and I'm my goodness. Like, what in the world? So I called the police on her rather than... You know, in in this kind of twisted version of turn the other cheek, obviously I stood my ground and stood in front of the door and wouldn't let her. That's just from my experience. It's a little bit of what you're talking about. Share it real quick, Joanna, if you can a story of a a person who had changed their their mind about abortion as far as the the reality of it and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, there's so many. It's just amazing what happens. I'm amazed when you go out there, just like you were saying earlier, how God meets you, and, you know, it just gives you opportunities. You will save lives and change minds, and sometimes it's not immediate or every conversation, but there's so many, so many opportunities to share the gospel, but there's just all kinds of funny situations. I'll share one funny one that stands out in my mind. There's this guy who's just been, you know— standing there for you know 20 minutes maybe 30 just you know just going around in circles basically and you know we're trying to share everything we can and you know um with him and and he's just not having he says you know you you're just trying to hurt women you're just making them feel like they're nazis you know you're comparing mm-hmm. this to the holocaust and you're just you know you're trying to beat up women basically and we're trying to tell him that's not what we're doing and explain to him but he just won't hear any of it so then here walks along this young woman who. <laughs> doesn't look the typical part of a pro or definitely not. Uh-huh. Um, she's coming here smoking, you know, just real lackadaisically. And she's standing there and just listens for a few min- minutes. I have no idea what she's going to say. And then after a few minutes, she says, you know, I'm a woman and... I don't feel like they're trying to tell me a Nazi, like that I'm a Nazi. I feel like they're just really trying to say that abortion is wrong. And she says, and I've had an abortion and I don't feel like they're condemning me. I feel like they're just trying to show what it is. And <laughs> and it's just, man, he's,
0: Validation. <laughs> he has no yeah. words like, you yeah. know, for
2: out of the words of <laughs> It's yeah. just funny when God just brings those situations that and is, stuff that like is, that. I could
0: that's cool. share
2: more all the time, but yeah. um, it's amazing.
0: Have you,
1: Lincoln, share a story um, of a situation where you've had to stand your ground and maybe you even had to get the law involved so that people understand like what you guys are dealing with. It's not that you're just there again to make people angry. You want to spur conversations and you're there in a very nice and approachable demeanor. But I'm sure you've been maybe not physically attacked. Maybe. I don't know. We've, but, yeah, we've seen, we've seen just about it.
3: Well, I don't want to say everything because something will always oh, come yeah. up that there's surprises there's, you. And yeah. <laughs> um, we had a situation where we were at a very liberal campus in here in North Carolina and um, and, and this kind of goes along, too, with the theme of just, I, I guess, the angst that we feel where the news media is not fair to our cause and will often misconstrue things or paint things a certain way that those who observe the events did not observe. Mm-hmm. And we're at this campus, and we had um, a group of people that were kind of the Antifa types, where they were just very in-your-face, they were very brash, there were about three or four of them in particular that would just follow our people around and just kind of make jeering comments at them or like make demeaning comments on our even our physical appearance or just th- things that were very personal where you could tell they were trying to get under our they skin. were not scientific arguments not at all they did not want to talk they did not want to engage they just wanted to intimidate and we had this one um, young woman who was a black young woman and she was especially antagonistic like to me for a while where she was just getting in my face and and doing all these things to try to intimidate and then she would she would Beat on one person, then she would go to the next person and just be saying things that were silly or derogatory or unkind and she would just be following people around well, at one point she ended up grabbing um, a piece of paper that has some um, sensitive information on it from one of our volunteers, and she refused to give it back. She just took it just brazenly as if she thought she could get away with it and that we weren't we were just going to keel over and let her do that and so i I think it was I guess it was me. I probably called the police on her and told them that you know this was going on. Yeah. And the officers came over there. And long story short, she um, at first denied that she had done it, and then she tried to hand the piece of paper off to one of her cohorts. And you know, obviously, that was kind of literally getting caught red-handed here. Uh-huh. And so the um, the officers they had her turn around. They arrested her, I think, for larceny. And um, just little little side detail the story, like the officer that arrested her was a black female officer as well, who put the handcuffs on her wrists, and they took her away. And I think she spent just a little bit of time, you know, in detention there for that. But later on, when the news article came out about it, it was kind of portraying it as, you know, black woman gets arrested, you know, because of pro-life people. It was something to the effect that Oh, this poor and and they were quoting her something she had tweeted about how her wrist hurt and how she had been detained against her will for all these hours and and the whole you're reading this whole story thinking oh she's the victim she's this poor yeah. you know, innocent black woman who's been treated unfairly and I mean we it, it was just bizarre and ironic because it became something where it wasn't about the facts and it wasn't about what the people around observed it was about creating her to be the victim, even though she was the one (laughs) and like very actively and Mm -hmm. aggressively harassing all of us, including volunteers on our staff who are also black. Like she was just harassing everybody, but the news didn't cover that. They didn't say that. And so that's just one of many instances where we've had to stand our ground. And, and part of it is showing them that we will not be bullied. Like we're out there. We want to be kind. We want to be civil. We want you to have your rights to free speech. We believe in the value and dignity of every human being, regardless of their race and obviously their level of development. But that doesn't mean we'll allow someone to bully us or think that they can just do that kind of thing and get away because it sends a message that, oh, Christians and pro-life people are weak, and if you just intimidate them and harass them enough, they'll either capitulate or they'll just go away.
1: Well, I like what you said when you said it's not really about us. It's not about us standing our ground for our sake. Yeah. But it's these babies. You know, I, I, I believe, and you probably have stories to share, maybe even as many stories as you have to share of people being angry and people you know, and all of that of moms that have even chosen life based on what you guys are doing. I mean, in one sense, you guys are getting them and planting those seeds of truth about abortion before they get to us, to the abortion center. So I know God uses you guys in that way. It's Mm -hmm. not surprising, though, Lincoln, that the news media wasn't on your side and wasn't, you know, speaking positively about you. Yeah, and
3: that's constantly why we, in a sense, have to go around them, and that's why we go to the streets, to busy intersections, to college campuses, to places where we can interact and 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 that's really part of the beauty of the pictures too is that you know we've talked about and we love the stories about the conversations but you know for every 10 minute 30 minute conversation i have with an individual there are hundreds if not thousands of people walking by that i'm only one person and we only have so many people on our team and we can't directly engage each of them but at the very least they took a few seconds they looked over to see what the commotion was about and they have been reached in a way that is powerful and perhaps even more powerful sometimes than even our words. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I know one of the things that's kind of, that I wanted to get to and I want you guys to talk about is some of the receptivity. It's no surprise, again, that pro-abortion people, especially those who in majority, I would say, on the college campus would probably identify maybe as pro-choice or whatever. I could be wrong about that, I guess, depending on the campus. Either way, it's no surprise you'd be rejected there. Of course, the media, the rejection that's there. But what about within... The church? What about those who are on the college campus who claim to be Christians? What's your receptivity there? I know it's mixed, but is there a negative reaction? And if so, how do you respond to that?
2: Yeah, that's a big and really important question. And I think... It's similar, I would say, in terms of the receptivity as far as, you know, are we wanted or mm-hmm. allowed to come in? And that's a no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, we wouldn't need to, right, if this was being taught in churches, uh, schools, homes, you know, but so many people don't even know we had yeah. a kid last year at our youth camp who's in middle school and he was uh, you know obviously sent there by a christian family pro-life family and he was leaning pro choice and he says this and he says but after this no way you know but he's never been taught and so people anyway there's a lot there but there's i think the establishment of just kind of the business of the church can kind of in the status quo can sometimes take precedence over yeah. okay what's actually important and we just this is always what we've business as usual what we've done and so something to come in and disrupt that and and we're not sure and this is controversial and we're gonna alienate people and maybe this isn't even you know about the gospel so maybe we should just kind of avoid it and not yeah. talk about it and then so when when we do or we try to meet with pastors or it's it's a lot of times cold shoulder or you know Christian yeah. universities they don't want us but but it's amazing so then when you do kind of go around that leadership if they don't want to talk to us then the students you know we've been to a, s- a seminary recently and and they're you know I'm sure <laughs> teaching a lot of great things but we're not welcome and so but then the students you know I have this conversation with one of the students who here comes by and he's wrestling with it, even just what he's supposed to do as a he used to be a he said he used to do street preaching out with and he's at NC State um and you know he's asking me all these questions that I'm confounded that I'm having to answer for him. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, but literally he said, you know, and don't babies go to heaven anyway. And is it something we really should stand up about? And people just need to hear the gospel. And this is so, I think just evident in, of what, of what the situation is and what people are, they're not being, taught to deal with the actual issues of today's society and culture and you know and he says you know by the end of the conversation i feel like god is you know using you to speak to me like i need to stand up and i need to yeah. stand up against he's like admitting like i'm afraid to confront anything in our culture even like ever say that homosexuality is wrong or anything like abortion he's like i i do need to stand up and you know there was another woman that same place who came by and she said she was angry at first she said i i know they warned us you were there were going to be pictures here but i she said i'm a christian but you know i've had an abortion and this is offensive to me and this is hurtful and I, and i just calmly gently explained to her like I'm so sorry that you know whatever you went through and but you know obviously you you know she said she regretted it but she, I said obviously you regret that do you really not, not want other people to have the chance to not have to go through that and just to, to be able to see the truth you know and and one of our volunteers asked her and and would you have gone through would you have gotten an abortion if you had seen these pictures and she said probably not and so no one had ever told her. And, you know, and so I was able to offer her, I was able to pray with her. She let me pray for her. I said, how, do you ever feel like you've gotten healing and, you know, forgiveness for what you, what, how you did and what happened? And she said, no, and yeah. no one's ever been addressed. I said, well, you know, there, there are resources, you know, and I gave her the post-abortion healing info. And she said, can I have another one? I have a friend who had just gotten an abortion. I'm like, yeah, of course. So it's just, yeah. it's just sad to me, I guess, when this stuff is not being addressed and I could tell you story after story of things that I'm shocked by that just this is not dealt with in the church yeah and there's this
3: this mindset that we encounter so much among even like just very evangelical circles that you know doctrinally and otherwise I would typically associate with where we kind of think that you know obviously we recognize that we want to change people's hearts through the gospel and not just change their external behavior and so you know I get that and I sympathize with that but we we kind of create you know as a maybe a a faulty outflow of that is that, okay, we don't need to actually be concerned about justice, we don't need to be concerned about matters of physical life and death, because we just need to preach the gospel to people. We just need to only share that and not really worry about, you know, because we think that abortion will kind of take care of itself, or racism will take care of itself, if we're just doing evangelization. And I think that's faulty on, on two fronts. One, you know, just biblically, you look at the fact that God does care about justice, that God does care about how we treat our neighbor in terms of their actual physical needs as well as their eternal need for yeah. salvation. Um, the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10—it's really revealing that Jesus uses that as a example for the fulfilling the greatest command to love your neighbor as yourself, yeah. the second commandment. And you know, you look at that parable, and it's almost telling that the The person that Jesus holds up as the hero didn't at least in the story there wasn't any sense of like you know giving here's the the sinner's prayer, here's you know how yeah. to have peace with God, and here's how you can you know go to, here's a church you can go to. no, he saw that there was a physical tangible need that his neighbor had that was literally a life and death need, and he stepped in and intervened and ministered to that need, and Jesus holds that up as the example, yeah, and so then historically you see people like a missionary. Um, so many people. You see Amy Carmichael, um, Alice Seeley Harris, who's one not as well known. She was a missionary to the Congo in the mm-hmm. early 1900s, sent from um, from Britain. And when she got down there, she's doing her evangelization, but she also becomes aware of a situation where the, um, the Belgian, um, basically the Belgian king has people who are subjugating the local population to essentially be forced labor for rubber production because rubber at that time was a very important commodity in the world. And they are literally threatening these people with death, with um, like maiming them and like actually dismembering hands and arms and feet. And she goes on this campaign to show the pictures. She took a lot of pictures documenting the injustices against the Congolese. Yeah. And through that was able to eventually put international pressure on the king of Belgium To treat the people humanely and to no longer force them into that, but she did that as an outgrowth of her walk of faith as a Christian minister, and it wasn't something where she just said, oh, let's just preach the gospel and just kind of allow that to, you know, people will kind of put the puzzle together on their own. She went directly and said, no, these are literal people who are dying and suffering, and as a Christian, I should be on the forefront of the fight to end this injustice and
1: not just leave that, you know, passively, to yeah. someone else. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good example. I mean, you know, I've had conversation, I'm sure you guys have too, of pro-choice, pro-abortion people who kind of uh, want to equate us with like the, the Christian, I've been called the Christian Taliban before. And you <laughs> Christians, you know, you, you're nothing but the problem. But when you start to recount human history and you look at injustices, you know, Chinese foot binding comes to mind where they would bind up little girls' feet so they would stay small because that was attractive to the men. It was Christians that, got that injustice That's um, right. removed from that society even if i forget what it's called but it's uh in india where if a guy a, a, a man husband was to die his wife would actually be burned alive with him that was a practice in india and christians got that so That's you right. bring that up as just another example and certainly as christians we have our flaws and the lord is sanctifying and, and making us Uh, more like Jesus every day, but it is Christians who do and who are called to confront evil. And, you know, as far as just in the last few minutes that we have, as far as appealing to Christians who might say something to the effect of, yeah, I understand what you're doing, and I see you know, people have been their minds have been changed. The gospel's been shared. Babies even been saved. But still, yet, I don't think it's appropriate to show people victim images. What What would you say to that person who is open, who is you know like they're they're pushing back because they feel like you're being judgmental and you're being whatever, but they're willing to hear? What would you say to that person?
3: I would I would just lovingly and as a brother challenge their question in a sense and just ask why wouldn't you want to show the victims? Because, you know, we know abortion's wrong, and we know, you know, hopefully, for a lot of our friends listening to this podcast, that this is something that's happening, that this, th- these are real people that are being killed every day. And, you know, by God's grace, you know, and, and only by His grace, we are in the state of mind to where we've been regenerated, we're open to the truth, we're seeking that, and we're sensitive to it. But for people who do not, are not there yet, there needs to be that hard dose of reality, and it really does take seeing. You know, we're told in Ephesians, I think it's 511, to have no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead to expose them. Yeah. And that is our calling as Christians. And, you know, you can look biblically at how, you know, even the crucifixion we were talking about before the podcast, that that was, apart from the, man, the side of man's involvement in it, from God's perspective, this was ordained by him, and it was, a, it was a bloody public d- spectacle. It was something that visually showed in a very public way that this is the horror of your sin, this is the ugliness of your sin, but then also this is the love of God. This is how much he was willing to sacrifice and go through on behalf to reconcile you to him. Yeah. And so that's important, I think. And then just also historically, you look at a lot of people you know, who probably listen here if, maybe watch the film Amazing Grace, they're Mm -hmm. familiar with William Wilberforce, Thomas Clarkson, Uh, you look at the um, ending of segregation and just how the marches that Dr. King used were designed to make people uncomfortable with racism and force them to see peaceful protesters who were being attacked, you know, by police when they were not rioting, they were not looting, they were just trying to march and draw attention to how they were being treated unfairly. And so I would just challenge anyone who isn't sure about this, look at history, look at the Bible, look at the fact that, yes, this is uncomfortable, and I will freely admit that to some degree you go out there and it never quite feels like, oh, this is easy, this is something that I enjoy doing. I love showing abortion photos to people. It's like, no, I don't. But the victims ultimately have no voice. They are completely dependent upon someone who is not themselves in danger, caring enough to step up as if it was their own life, and to speak out and to be a voice on their behalf. And so if there's a better method than showing the victim images, I am all for it, and I will put my signs down and jump on that bandwagon in a heartbeat. But yeah. I think it would be intellectually and spiritually very challenging to to come up with a case that the victim images are not effective, even if they are something
1: that causes people to be angry. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of our gauge as American Christians is what something makes me feel like, yeah. what I think, what I feel. And it's just not, that's the the whole point of this podcast, not just this episode, but the thing uh, from from beginning to end is that we can't base what we do as pro-lifers on how we feel, on what society says. Yeah. It has to be founded in the Word of God. Amen. When we look at particular behavior, ministry, calling, methodology, it should always be what does the bible say what does the scripture say and you know i've had people try to argue about and then we use as sidewalk counselors we use victim images we use them in our brochures and we use them if we display them we don't always but when we do we display them away from the areas of engagement with a mom who's abortion minded because it just tends to be more of a cordial conversation or at least more of an engaging conversation um but i do see them to be effective And i had i've had christians tell me you know, even they are effective we shouldn't use them because they're offensive and I'm like, well, chapter and verse, because the Bible tells me that God is certainly into displaying victim images. Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. We see that through the, the New Testament, the Old Testament, how God shows images. We are visual creatures, and God God capitalizes on that, so to speak, yeah. to bring certain realities to our attention. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. appreciate you guys being out there. It's uncomfortable, I know. And you know what? It's kind of like what Jesus called us to, though. What did he say? Take up your couch and lay on it with me. <laughs> no, <laughs> He says, take up your cross and follow me. It's, it's a cross to bear going out to these college campuses. It's a cross to bear, you know? It is. With it's same with what you do and just
3: how, you know, you're out there ministering on the front lines and it's not comfortable and there's that heaviness of knowing that the woman going in, like, at, you know, with what we do, at least we can plant a seed a lot of the time, and we do, and we see lives saved from that. But I know there's, you know, a certain heaviness when you know that this is the final chance for that baby, so I, I commend you guys for what you're doing and, and appreciate your your similar mindset because, you know, you know with the whole thing about it being offensive and how Christians kind of don't have a category in their mind for things that might be offensive but maybe that's good, you know, you look, you mentioned the Gospels and how Jesus himself was very offensive to some people, yeah. and he, he knew how to, to handle being graceful with being truthful, and sometimes He had to call things out firmly as they were, and, you know, it was him who who said of our walk as his followers that a servant is not greater than his master. If they hate me, they will hate you also. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And we just have to have a category for that, that even in the United States, with all of our freedom and all of our prosperity, that we are called to suffer like the master at times, and if persecution is what it is,
1: then that's our road, and we have to accept it because that's the road he
3: went on before us. Yeah
1: that's good well guys i'm gonna wrap this thing up but i do appreciate you guys coming and and sharing appreciate your heart to serve i appreciate you know the guy the fact that you guys are sharing the gospel and what you're doing but also confronting this evil and uh just uh keep doing it keep serving the lord and absolutely uh, my and keep so exposing evil and by god's grace and we'll see abortion come to an end in our nation.
3: I hope Amen. so. And yeah. if it doesn't happen, it won't be because we didn't do our
1: darndest. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen.
3: Keep up the good work, well, Daniel.
1: Thank
0: you, yeah, guys. By so God's much. grace. We yeah. Appreciate
1: you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys who've tuned into this podcast, and uh, just hope that you guys will share this podcast with others. If you want to get in touch with these guys, it is what's the what's the you website? can go to
3: abortionno.org.
1: Okay, that's our website,
3: and um, as you could probably expect, it does have some graphic content on there. That's um, Nevertheless challenging and needed, but you can go there and you can get in touch with us. Okay.
1: So abortionnode.org, get in touch with these guys. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can uh, email me at dparks at citiesforlife.com. You can go on our website, charlotte.citiesforlife.org. And until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love.
0: Give me an outlet. For gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's
1: too precious Since I met you